Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Horn Call podcast. My name is James Bolden. I'm the publications editor for the International Horn Society and your host. My guest today is Allison DeMell, a member of the IHS Advisory Council, where she serves as secretary. Uh, Allison has a really interesting path to where she arrived working in uh, in and out of the field of music, uh, working as a uh, in marketing for a nonprofit associated with a school. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation today with Allison DeMille. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, Allison, for chatting with me today. So um, I thought it, it, it really varies with podcast guests, and I never want to assume like someone's super well-known or not well-known, and we'll just kind of start with you giving a brief introduction to yourself and um, uh, talking a little bit about you know what you're doing right now professionally with or without the horn, with or without music. I, I think it's really interesting the intersection between the arts and all kinds of other fields. So, um, as much or as little of that as you want to chat about, and then we'll kind of wind that back around to um, how you arrived at being on the advisory council for the International Horn Society, which I think is really amazing and really cool. So, um, you know, start with wherever you want to start, and we'll kind of go from there. Okay, so right now I am working at a arts nonprofit that manages two school campuses. And so um, I actually work in marketing and I kind of arrived at marketing as uh, fields basically through my um, undergraduate degree. Um, so I majored in music performance, but I also did a double major in, um, it was a self-designed major in publishing and editing. And so the school that I went to is Chapman University, and they didn't really have a whole lot of editing courses. Mm -hmm. So um, as I was creating my degree, I kind of went more of like the marketing route of publishing. Okay. And so um, I took some graphic design classes. I took art classes. I took marketing, communications. Um, I think that was, oh, and I also took some English classes as well. Um, and so as part of that, um, I got some different uh, marketing experience and that kind of led me to this position um, that I'm currently working in. And it's also at my, um, my high school, my old high school. Um, so I'm an alumni working for this nonprofit that manages my old high school, basically. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, so did you grow up in California? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California um, in Huntington Beach and I went to school at the Orange County School of the Arts. Okay. Um, in Santa Ana. Okay. I was going to say that must be some high school program to have their own like marketing department. And stuff. That, <laughs> that seems pretty cool. Yeah, it is really fun because uh, I still get to use a lot of like the music knowledge I have, a lot of different arts knowledge, because I've actually kind of dabbled in a lot of different arts as well. Mm -hmm. um, I do Irish dance and I still do Irish dance to this day. And so kind of using my dance knowledge I've done some visual arts work I used to do a little bit of acting so it kind of is like the perfect position in terms of like connecting all of those different arts fields together you are the quintessential renaissance person then <laughs> for sure so um yeah well we don't have to get too far into the weeds on this unless you just want to but that's really interesting to me about having a self-designed degree along with the music performance degree tell me how you 
kind of arrived at that decision? Because I think, you know, a, a lot of college students, and I'm no different when I was in college uh, a long time ago, but I remember not having a real clear idea of, I mean, I knew I wanted to do something with music and I wanted to play the horn. And I think that was about it, like my freshman year of college. And, you know, as you go through, you start to see older students and look at and find, you know, mentors in the field and start to get a better handle on what kind of work you might want to do. But it's a lot of it, especially at the undergrad level, is very kind of like nebulous up in the air. But I think that's a really great idea that you came up with there to sort of create your own degree. How how did that come about? That is a bit of a story, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, that's why we're so, here. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, so when I was in high school, um, I went to an arts high school, as I just said, but, um, uh, so this, through this arts high school, I got a lot of different experience through music and I pretty much knew since my sophomore year that I wanted to do something in like opera was kind of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was growing up, I definitely was the kind of person where I, I kind of decided on a path and I went down that road as as long as I could until I found something that maybe changed my mind or kind of veered off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was a senior in high school, this actually is how I got connected with the Inter- International Horn Society. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied for an award. Uh, I applied for the Paul Manser Award. Oh, and yeah. I ended up winning that uh, for the, it was like the under 18 category. And so um, the symposium that year was in London. So I, of course, had to go to London because I won this award, which was very convenient. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, and when I was there, I um, learned about Jan Ballou and his mutes and um, all of what he was doing with horn making and all of that. And I was really inspired by that. So when I was um, really looking at different um, undergraduate uh, universities, I really wanted to do something with engineering and music. Okay. And it turns out that basically no university will let you do that. <laughs> They're both because... pretty demanding degrees. Yeah. Because of the number of credits, it would take you six years or more, was what I was told. Yeah. (laughs) By pretty much every school except for um, University of California, Irvine would let me, UCI. And then Mm -hmm. um, the other was Vanderbilt was one of the universities that I got into, but they weren't necessarily like super sure that I could do it or not (laughs) (laughs) or what, but they felt like they would allow mm-hmm. this is Vanderbilt um, University in, in Tennessee. Yeah. Yes. And Nashville, um, yeah. yeah, but with Chapman, they had a, it was a four plus one program um, available, which was like, it was an engineering program at UCI, but I would also get a math degree at Chapman. Oh, and so I was looking at that and then I went a different route and I tried the self-design major route. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, again, there weren't a whole lot of classes that I could take for it because they used to have an acoustics class in the physics department, which would have been perfect. Okay. But they took that away. <laughs> they didn't they no longer offered that class. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I could like apprentice with the um, early music ensemble director who also made instruments. But there just wasn't a whole lot there. Um, 
So with this publishing and editing route, we finally get back to this. Um, I've always had a skill for proofreading. And that's like one of the things I've loved to do, which is also why I, I'm one of the proofreaders for the Horn Call, as you know. That's right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, my mom's a graphic designer. And so when I was in elementary school, um, she would sometimes have me proofread some of her her work just to make sure that like there weren't any weird errors or anything. Right. And there was actually some, I actually did catch a couple. Um, one of them was, uh, it was in a brochure. And so she had to go back home after dropping me off at school to reprint the whole thing because oh, no. I found one small error in there. <laughs> um trust me i know the yeah. feeling yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i i looked into this publishing and editing um option to try to create it so i i had to choose an advisor for it um i chose the uh she was the i think she was the dean of the english department was okay. what her actual title was um and so uh yeah she was my my like advisor for the program. So I basically had to draft all the classes I wanted to take and then present it to her and she would give me feedback on it. I did went through a couple of drafts. Um, and there were a lot of like weird small rules. Like you could only have a certain percentage of mm -hmm. credits in a certain, um, area. And also right. that intersected with a particular degree that already existed. So it was a lot of like math and <laughs> small details to try to get it to all work. Um, but the whole experience was really cool. I remember, uh, when I was graduating, the ceremony was really cool because, um, they have like, when you're in line, you have like a piece of paper for the, for the first person in the line. And then mm -hmm. the last person in that degree has the last paper, but because I had my own degree, I had the, the first person paper and then my, my paper that had like how to say my name. And then uh -huh. I had the last person <laughs> and I had like my own sign and everything. So it was nice. <laughs> that's really, that's really fascinating. Well, and it, it strikes me that you must've had an opportunity and, you know, uh, with music and, and any kind of specialized field, we tend to be so narrow our focus tends to be so narrow and, you know, even at like a large university, you might only get to see a slice of what being at that university is like and only see, you know, you would only see your, your friends that are music majors, especially at the graduate level and even at an undergraduate level. But it sounds like with this degree, you must have gotten to interact with just so many different kinds of people in so many different kinds of fields um, to in what way did that influence you or or give you kind of a breadth of experience that you might not have otherwise gotten? I think it gave me a greater appreciation for the other departments within the mm. university. Um, in particular, the graphic design department was insane in terms mm. of the amount of work that all of them were doing, because a graphic design degree there was about the same as my music performance degree. Mm. But because I was, I was only in maybe two or three classes, but it was insane the amount of work that I was even doing. Mm -hmm. um, I was in a book design class and we had to lay out the entire, an entire classic book, like from start to finish. We had to do oh like table goodness. of contents, whole thing. We did all of that ourselves. We created two dust jackets for it. We designed a display it, within the library for it. Um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. Um, and 
not only that, like beyond the digital work that you were doing, you were expected to like, not for the, the layout of the book, but for other projects, you had to create it all yourself. Like you had to print it out, cut it out. Um, if we were creating like, uh, there's another project that I did with, that was an annual report. And so I had like die cuts in it. I had like all these different like special um, techniques for for the paper, basically, for okay. um, how it was put together. And so I had to like take an exacto knife and like create lo a little window of like the logo of the company that I was doing the annual oh, wow. report for. All these so this things. This wasn't was... like strictly digital or anything, I guess. You usually it was like you create it digitally and then. Mm -hmm a lot of um, projects we had to put them together physically. So we had oh. to print them out. We had to glue things together. We had to use exacto knives to get super <laughs> straight lines. And we were judged on how straight our lines was it's kind of like great British bake off, like that kind of feel wow. when, when you're getting like critiques and everything like that. That's kind of how it felt. <laughs> That's real interesting. And so uh, this whole time you're, you're taking horn lessons and music theory as well and playing in ensembles and that the normal music major kind of stuff. And not only that, I also was, uh, I was orchestra manager as well. So on oh top goodness. of this, I had, I had uh, a work study position and I got so much out of, um, you know, being in that role, I, I learned so much more even mm -hmm. because kind of, so it took a lot of organization. So I was sending out a lot of emails um, to the orchestra with the schedules I was putting together like writing typing up like schedules and organizing them laying them out i was responsible for sometimes uh program notes i was sometimes responsible for well i was always responsible for creating the rosters mm -hmm. and posting them on the bulletin board um also sending those in for the program and all of these things so um and i worked really closely obviously with the the orchestra director. Mm -hmm. And so we had like different meetings to discuss what was going on and how to like organize things. Um, working with the operations team for like setup, making sure that they had what they needed. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I had a very well-rounded <laughs> undergraduate experience and it kind of like all worked together, which was really nice. Yeah, um, I would say so. Now did, was there ever an issue of like, your friends who were like strictly music majors kind of giving you grief over, Oh, why do you have to, you know, now you got to go do this graphic design stuff or did was vice versa. Did anybody in the, the, you know, the publishing and editing side kind of try to entice you over to their side exclusively, uh, uh, get you away from the music department at all? Uh, they didn't really. I think I, I, because I was in so many different departments and like, I didn't have that many classes in each one. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't like enough of a pull to like, kind of try to get me into a different degree <laughs> program or something like that. Um, uh, but I'd say like, I got a lot of understanding from a lot of people, even like my friends in different departments and things like that. They, mm -hmm. they also didn't know what a music major's life was like. So I think I kind <laughs> of, we kind of like gave each other a little bit more perspective on what was going on in different departments as well. Sure. Um, yeah. I think I got a lot of respect for, for the amount of work that I was doing, um, which, uh, well, that was well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. And so I definitely remember times where like 
my music major friends were like seeing me get really stressed out and try to like help me kind of like organize things a little bit better so then I could manage things better mm -hmm. in general. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was a great experience. It was a great, it was great for like time management skills and learning how to like, uh, kind of assess what things needed my attention and prioritizing things. Mm -hmm. No. And I think that, I mean, every university is kind of structured slightly differently, but I think things like that are going to degrees like the one you created. I, I think they're going to continue to be of interest, especially, I mean, there's not one path that leads to success for every single person. And it's, you know, it's not a cookie cutter kind of situation here. And that's tough to, when you're 18 years old, just going off to college, it's, you know, there's no way to really fully understand that. I mean, that's like a lifelong process of figuring out how the experiences that you have and the education that you have and all of the different things that you've done, how that factors into your work and your passion and what you want to do with your life. It's, I mean, I always tell my students, you don't have to have it all figured out at 18 or 22 or 42 or 92. You absolutely yeah. don't. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's, you know, it's, it's so overwhelming uh, to a lot of students. So I think it's, it's really good to hear from someone who's a little bit closer to a college student's age than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's definitely like, I think it's a better perspective to kind of, go with ebbs and flows because you have no idea what's going to happen like when i was in grad school all of a sudden lockdown happened and all of that mm -hmm. and so I, I was in my last semester of grad school when that happened and so oh, yeah it also like changed things so much because i was going from being in ensembles almost every day for rehearsal to having like four hours of zoom oh, which I'm so i know yeah. i know a lot of <laughs> university students like would relate to that because I only had the beginning of it. So I can't even imagine what it was like for um, those who went through the next year, basically, yeah. of it through, because online, it's completely different, as well, I yeah, know you, and there's, you know, and yeah, students have, some of them have spent, you know, half or more of their college experience that way, at least in, in partial, you know, if not fully online, some classes are hybrid, and some classes are, you know, in person and some are online and just the, the shifting modality of it is it starts to wear on you after a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it gets tiring having to kind of like relearn how to do things. Oh, absolutely. Um, but hopefully we're, <laughs> we're yeah. going to see the, 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 the end of it hopefully soon. But um, so yeah. if, if we could shift gears a little bit, let's talk a little bit about, so you are the, uh, serve as the secretary on the uh, International Horn Society Advisory Council, which is a really good position. And it's, you know, the a lot of people, even people who've been in the, the IHS for years, don't really know what the advisory council is or does. I mean, if they go to symposiums, they see the members of the AC perform, or they might run into them at different things, and they might get an email or something about it. But um Maybe give us an overview of what what the advisory council does for the International Horn Society, and particularly what what your role is. Uh, so my role in particular is uh, responsible for doing the minutes for mm -hmm. our meetings. So basically, that gives a record of what happened in our meetings for anyone who either wasn't there, who was a part of the advisory council, or for general membership, depending on which which meeting it was and for which audience um even for like the executive council i also do um the minutes for those as well so then we can kind of remember 
from meeting to meeting what things are kind of pending or what things we need to work on um, mm -hmm. as a way to just organize everything a little bit better um, rather than just having a meeting and then forgetting what happens and then having the next <laughs> meeting. And then it, <laughs> it makes it a lot more productive. <laughs> you, help keep, you help keep everybody on track. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I um, would say it's a very diverse group of people. It's an international, you know, body of, horn players and teachers and people in involved in 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 the musical world just from all over the place yeah and definitely a different perspectives really help on like whenever a, a topic comes up it's nice to hear different perspectives from other countries and um, other cultures as well uh, just to kind of get a different perspective on it and i think it helps us make better decisions in general things mm -hmm. that will benefit our en entire membership rather than just either the US or just a, a small portion of it. Um, yeah, it does make it interesting for scheduling because we have so many oh, time gosh. zones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got really used to like going to the websites that just convert like my time zone to whatever time zone, you know, all of that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, no, that's that's uh, that is very true. Trying to <laughs> collaborate and get all of that done. Um, yeah, it's lots of doodle polls to try to try to find the the best commonality in terms of times to meet and everything. <laughs> yeah, everybody's favorite doodle polls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I imagine I imagine all of your you know your experiences and having uh, you know worked with people in different disciplines and different areas that probably helps in, in being able to collaborate with the the other members of the advisory council. Yeah, definitely, and I think also like. In terms of the minutes and taking those those uh, notes for the meetings, mm -hmm. it's really helped the background that I've had, um, either the publishing and editing experience, a lot of the things I learned in graphic design helps me like write it clearer so then people like can read it better. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a little bit clearer to read. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And I always ask, uh, I've had the fortune to to get to talk to people who have done similar things to you that have bridged different experiences and different kinds of expertise, both musical and non-musical. And I always ask them, so the first part of the question is, what, what did you learn from your non-musical education that you were able to apply successfully as a musician? Or think, you know, the other way to think about that is things you learned in your graphic design and editing and publishing um experiences that you were able to to take from and use as a horn player or a musician and then vice versa things as a trained musician that you found helpful to you working in an, another field yeah i think organization is definitely up there because a lot of the way i think a lot of people think of graphic design is just like the visual part of it in terms of like illustrating and logo mm -hmm. design and things like that. But there's, there's a whole other layer to it. Um, when I had to like do that, uh, the project that I described before um, where I had to lay out a book from start to finish, mm -hmm. you get to learn how to create hierarchies and that helps either with, you know, writing minutes and trying to show those hierarchies and like where the conversation went, mm -hmm. but it also helps with, with horn and like when you're writing in your music and you're trying to differentiate between this and that, or you're trying to, um, uh, yeah, organize your music because when I was orchestra manager, I also had to, um, 
sometimes help the librarians. So I learned a little bit more about the librarianship side of it in terms mm -hmm. of writing like rehearsal numbers and writing all these things. So you learn what things will be easier to read um, on a quick glance mm -hmm. as like a graphic designer. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been super helpful, even more than I think about on a daily basis. So it's nice to <laughs> nice to be able to reflect as well. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it that orchestra librarian stuff is such specialized work, and they're they're really like unsung heroes of any orchestra. You oh know, yeah, like <laughs> the Boeing's just don't write themselves in, you know, and and all the page turns and when there's cuts and like. You know, a, a good orchestra librarian is worth their weight in gold for sure. Oh yeah, my um my first horn teacher was um in a regional orchestra in Southern California, Pacific Symphony. Mm -hmm. He was both fourth horn and he was librarian. Okay, it's still like one of my dreams at some point in my life to be a librarian and one of the horn players in the the orchestra because it's so rare to find that. Mm -hmm. But he would like sometimes in my lessons, he'd like bring me parts for the, the concert that's coming up. So then I had like the physical part so I could like follow along as they're playing. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. And so he like taught me how to how to like tape my parts together. So then the pages don't fall out of the little booklet and things like that with the, the library mm -hmm. tape. And <laughs> he taught me a lot of like small things that definitely have made a difference over time. Mm hmm. That's really cool. So uh, what kind of uh, you said you work in the marketing for this uh, arts arts high school? What kind of uh, what kind of work does that involve? You mentioned you you interact with, you know, all of the different you know areas there, music as well as, as other things. But what kinds of stuff would that involve? So uh, I do a lot of their email campaigns. OK. And so um, it's a combination of like writing emails and mm -hmm. also um, uh, designing them through our email system. So it's not a whole lot of, it's not a lot of design, but you do learn to like figure out the hierarchies and things like that, as I was mm -hmm. talking about before. Um, and uh, so definitely my experience with like proofreading things comes in handy there all the time. Um, often editing marketing materials. So things like brochures and like different things that explain uh, the organization and the school campuses that that we manage. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a really nice combination of my skills, um, I think. And also, so in terms of like who I actually work with, um, we'll work with like the development side which um, has like fundraising campaigns and things like that as a nonprofit because we're uh, donation based. Um, they're donation based schools, basically. Oh, okay. And so um, they have like public funding for the um, the like school portion of it. But all of the art stuff is all donation based. OK. And so through that, we have like fun different fundraising efforts and campaigns that um, that happen periodically through the year. And so writing emails for that and working with the development side on any details, basically. Um, and then we work with the conservatory directors sometimes as well. Um, so uh, like this last year, we did a program for um, the Orange County School of the Arts had their 35th anniversary. And so um, we had a big um, concert celebrating that. And so we worked with some of the conservatory directors on like putting things in the program and organizing them. Um, 
yeah so it's it, it has a good uh, variety of things that I work on <laughs> well, I imagine it keeps you busy yes <laughs> of course <laughs> um no and it that, that's one of the things that and I've talked about this with other other folks on the podcast before you know as performers sometimes we get you know, we have these blinders on of like, okay, I've got to learn my part. I've got to, you know, get these rehearsals and stuff. But there's this whole other side to the arts world and in and, and any any organization or any endeavor that the marketing and crafting a message and getting people interested and informed about what you do, that's as important as having a great product, whatever that is, you know, a performance or, you know, whatever thing it is you're doing, if no one knows about it and if they don't know where it is and <laughs> when they're supposed mm -hmm. to go and how to get tickets and where the website is, then, then all that work you put in preparing it is is diminished without having the, the other side of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think it, it helps also kind of, um, so our marketing department works with the um, public relations department, which does mm -hmm. a lot of like our social media. So oftentimes things like kind of intersect or we work together on different projects um, and seeing kind of what they do kind of changes the way you see like just any kind of social media that you're, you're looking at because then you kind of get like a glimpse into what that world is for other organizations and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, even my work on emails, like sometimes I'm, going through my emails, different like companies and things like that, that are, you know, trying to get me to buy whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. It changes, it changes the way that you look at it. Cause then you're like, Oh, I think I know what email system you used. And now I'm like mm -hmm. looking at, Oh, I think I know how you created that. That's really cool. And then you kind of get ideas from different, different places from, from that kind of experience and that lens that you're looking at things. Yeah. And I think, you know, that kind of education, like what you created for yourself at Chapman is, is going to continue to be something that we have to try to integrate that more into not just music education, but all arts education, because we're going to have to, you know, in, in an era of like, you can't necessarily count on full support from one place anymore, if that was ever the case. I mean, funding is always a combination of different different sources, grants and donations and all different kinds of stuff. And I just, uh, it's a, it's a, a completely, you know, separate world than what you learn in like music theory or, you know, piano class, but it's just as important how, how arts organizations actually are run. Yeah. And one of the classes I took as part of my music uh, performance degree, I took um, business of music and that was a really cool class because we basically had a different guest speaker every week. And so we would take notes and we would like um, talk about what we learned from hearing different people from different uh, arts fields, just talk about what they do and how they integrate music with something that isn't necessarily like full performance or things like that, uh -huh. or um, like audio engineers. We talked to, um, there were performers, there were people who, had like different arts nonprofits. Um, and so that was also really interesting to hear because you don't necessarily, like when you're in high school, you don't hear about what an audio engineer's life is like or right. what their job is like. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things that aren't really touched on. Even, even when I went to an arts high school, I didn't necessarily hear about audio engineers and like different fields within the arts, like an orchestra manager, like mm -hmm. an orchestra librarian, I didn't really um, get a, that close of a glimpse into it. Um, yeah, it's it's all kind of going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Speaking and of so, business, oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> That's okay. I was going to say that um, uh, I wish universities would integrate more social media marketing within their mm -hmm. programs because it's also becoming such a huge part of um, being a musician in this day and age because um, that's really where you're promoting yourself. Whereas before, like a lot of the time it was like, you know, business cards or word of mouth or things like that. But this is another tool to put in your pocket and your tool belt basically to, oh, yeah. Yeah. to utilize. And especially I think during lockdown, because there were so many things um, that were online for obvious reasons. And that was really where people were continuing to play and showcase what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it, that, you know, it's funny. I, who knows what the internet or YouTube or anything is going to look like in a hundred years, but you know, that, that digital content that's out there, I have a feeling it's just going to continue to be out there. It's going to be backed up on some server somewhere, but you know, what a, what a snapshot of such an interesting and pivotal time in our history. Like, you know, so at the end of 2019, like there might've been a few of those like split screen videos out there just for kind of, you know, an experiment basically, but no one really took much notice of them. Cue like starting in late March, 2020 <laughs> up until today. And just the, you know, those, those places like YouTube and stuff, they're just full of all of those split screen and, and multi-track things. And they're, they're sort of starting to taper off now that live performances have come back, but they're, they're still out there. They're still up there. You come across them in searches all the time. So that, you know, that's a historical document, if you will, of, this is what happened because of, in part, <laughs> all the isolation yeah. people were feeling. So I think, in it, like in terms of social history, that's going to be kind of cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, even today you can still see like the hundred days of practice, hundred days of whatever uh -huh. art, arts discipline. You still see it. I literally was just looking at it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah. you've got all of everyone who created practice accounts during lockdown and everything like that. I know I had a lot of friends who were doing that as well. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. No, I, I support yeah, all that. And no, I support all of that. And it's like, it's uh, social media is a tool just like anything. I mean, it's like, is the internet good or is the internet bad? It depends on how you use it. So, oh, yeah. It's all about <laughs> intention. I was actually, yeah. yeah, I was just talking about this the other day too. Um, because so much of the internet could just be like, time wasted just like doom scrolling and all <laughs> yep. of that but yep. like if you have an intention behind it you can like learn different things you can get new ideas uh mm -hmm. there's so much yeah there it can be used for good or bad so it yeah. just depends on yeah your intention and your purpose behind it um that's kind of how i look at it at least yeah i i get a lot of inspiration from seeing what other people are doing or i might hear about a new piece that i didn't know about or a composer that i didn't know about so i i mean i'm i'm not immune to like the feeling like oh gosh uh look at all the amazing things everyone else is doing and then i have to realize like okay this is curated like people don't necessarily share every trial and tribulation on social media you're really only seeing like maybe the best of what they're doing. And so it, it, it tends to start to feel like, oh gosh, everyone else is doing so many amazing things. And what am I doing sitting here scrolling? But it's not really <laughs> the case. They are looking at yours feeling the same way perhaps, or, you know, so I think you mm -hmm. have to, especially for younger students, it can be easy to kind of fall into that trap of like always comparing yourself to others. So I think as long as you go into it, knowing 
like you said, the intention behind, okay, I'm looking for new pieces or I'm trying to find out about this person's, you know, musical career that I didn't know about. So, you know, having, having a positive intention behind it makes all the difference. Yeah. So much of what we see is only the highlight or Mm -hmm. the final cut basically. Yeah. So Yeah. It's like, you you know, airbrushing on a, on a photo or something. It's like, that's not really what somebody looks like. Yeah. <laughs> You're seeing I remember, the, you know, the idealized version, you know? Yeah. I, I remember when I was, uh, even in grad school at that beginning of lockdown, I found it kind of frustrating because I was like seeing so many people, uh, posting different things. And I'm like, Oh, I just, I keep t- like doing different takes and I keep missing like that one note. And, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of that same thought of like you just don't hear all of their other cuts. <laughs> yeah, of they whatever they were do recording. Do a hundred takes to get that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a good observation. Um, so I I was gonna say when you were talking about business, tell us a little bit about your business that you started, the the musical notes. That's really a cool idea. Yeah, so I I started it because I kind of wanted to again like kind of marry the idea of my graphic design stuff and my music. Um, And so uh, during lockdown, again, it was like, it was a lot of frustration with trying to like organize my practice and like trying to organize everything. It was just, everything was so up in the air. I -hmm. felt like I, that I needed something to kind of control it, (laughs) Uh, control what I could at least. Um, And so I've, through um, most of grad school and undergrad, and even actually in high school, I kept a practice journal. And so... Me too. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good idea. I've had a lot of different iterations of things that I've done and things that I've tried, like different systems or different methods of how I um, organize my practice. And so I kind of wanted to like whittle it down. I created a practice journal um, that I ended up putting on Etsy. Um to kind of show show that and like share that with other people if they wanted to test it out. Um, and because I haven't really found a practice journal that is being sold. That was really what I wanted. And that was like versatile enough for enough people. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are a lot of them out there that are really geared towards like elementary school or middle school students. Yeah, and there really wasn't. And, yeah. Yeah, or they're like too, um, almost too structured. Um, mm. There's like not enough, like empty space to kind of organize things the way that you want to organize them. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I can be more visual with how I like take notes and things like that. But I like the flexibility of being able to choose how I want to do it. So I kind of created mm-hmm. something that would give a, a basic structure. And so then it can kind of organize people's thoughts as they're practicing, but it also gives them the choice of like how they want to um, organize things for themselves. No, that's great. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. And it's, it's daunting if you just have like a blank piece of paper and you're not quite sure, like, well, where do I even start? But having some kind of structure in the journal, but that gives you some amount of freedom as well to kind of customize it the way you want. I think that's a good, a good way to go. Yeah. I actually created a, a practice journal for one of my friends. Um, I taught myself bookbinding for it and I created a Star Wars um, like themed practice journal because he was a really big um, oh, Star cool. Wars fan. 
So I, I actually created a practice journal structure for the inside of it, and I hand-bound it together to make it look like the um, Book of the Wills from Star oh, Wars. Oh, cool. So yeah, it was I fun. A, <laughs> I had a friend in grad school who worked in a book bindery, and he always had like interesting stories about working in a book bindery. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, it's, that's... it's hard. It's really hard to do, actually. <laughs> it was such like a, in this day and age, it's like, that's such like an old world thing. It's like churning butter or making cheese or something. It's like people have been binding books since the Middle Ages, which is it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's one my one regret from um, my undergrad degree, because I really wanted to take book arts, but it was like it conflicted with a different class or something like that. So I just was never able to do it. But I'm hoping actually maybe in like February or March, there's actually the um, International Print Museum in LA. Okay. And they have like workshops for bookbinding or for different like printmaking, like very specific niche like skills. So they have like wow. single day workshops for it. It's cool. That's awesome. Well, maybe we can have you do like a special edition of the home call or something sometime. <laughs> I, I, that would I be now cool, know but... about all the different kinds of binding, like perfect and all of stitching and all of that stuff. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like a, lay flat is really cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know that's popular with like music books, so that they you know they lay flat on the stand because it's I always hate having to like break the spine of a book to get it to lay flat on the stand but otherwise you can't play from it you know unless you have like clothespins or something to hold it <laughs> yeah i i can't remember if there are a lot of scores with that but i i would think that would be something that would be at least beneficial to do for a conductor score mm -hmm. um so then it lays yeah. flat for them so while they're, they're yeah. conducting it and, and it's easier so to flip to, it. it's easier to turn the page yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah well it's probably too yeah. expensive to do honestly so yeah that's probably why they don't do it as much it, it come it's it so often comes down to cost you know paper weight and you know the kind of paper and all of that sort of thing but um well mm -hmm. allison thank you so much for talking with me this has been a really really fun conversation um what have you got coming up in the next uh weeks or months any any big projects or anything uh you want to share or talk about uh i mean Honestly, it's a little bit of the same old, same old, but um, <laughs> we'll see what happens because things might come go a different turn, you know. Okay, well, excellent. Things might well, go I, a different way. Yeah, well, I look forward to, to hearing about it. And um, are you? do you have any plans to attend any uh, IHS symposia or anything in the future? I am very excited about uh, the next symposium in Montreal. Yeah, I'm going to um, be there too, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. I haven't been in a couple years, so it'll be it'll be really special. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much.